previous episode, I talked about the peculiarities of a certain goldfish and its owners. And as I don't want to name and shame pets or people, I need to de-identify my stories in the retelling to a certain extent. But the situations and locations I talk about are always real. And to be honest, that was a little bit strange. Today, I want to stray over to the practicalities of house sitting. I started out on my own, but have since discovered other house sitters who have shared their stories with me, both good and bad. It's kind of reassuring to know that when everything's not going well, I'm not alone out here. And most of the homeowners have been amazing people. And like me, they love to travel. What I and other house sitters do for them makes it possible. It's usually a reciprocal arrangement. I'm also going to discuss the upside and downside of moving around the country safely as a solo female. I haven't always travelled on my own, but it does consume a lot of my time on and off the road. I also need to stay occupied when I don't have human company, and that can be a challenge at times. So let's get started. My first real road trip started pre-COVID in early 2020. I bought an SUV and kitted it out with towing gear, then set about looking for a caravan to buy. Buying a new caravan isn't always the best value, and some repairs won't be covered by the warranty. And the insurance, which not everyone bothers to buy, but I did, is sky high. Anyway, I packed the cat in the car. At that stage, she was still travelling in her pet pack. Later, she had the entire back seat to herself on a running leash. Driving with loose animals in the car isn't a good idea, unless your beneficiaries really need the money. We drove south through four states to reach Adelaide and I locked up at the dealer's yard to pick up my new caravan. Of course, having taken my deposit three months earlier, they didn't have the van ready to roll. That's another story. I expect it will morph into a blog about caravanning or poor customer service. Point is, when I decided to give house sitting a go a year later, I was still towing. The caravan was like a tiny house. It had everything I needed to be self-contained. And back then my spinal problems were evident but had not been diagnosed thoroughly. You can read that as, the pain was not constant and unbearable. I managed the caravan with all its modern features fairly easily. Eventually I got to the point where I was tired of towing, had a sore back all day and most of the night. Sitting around doing nothing during lockdowns contributed to that. But eventually, I got sick of paying to insure two vehicles in Queensland. Not saying any more about that. I was in the habit of setting up the caravan for not less than a few nights, sometimes for much longer periods, then exploring with a four-wheel drive. That worked for me. I could set up and be inside reading a book on the bed within 30 minutes. When the water pump blew up under the bed, a scant 10 minutes after I'd purchased the new caravan, I was back on the road and on the way to the local dealer within 20 minutes. Same same when I was flooded out of the Mwilambar showgrounds at 2am. More about that night later. I don't think it occurred to me that a solo female traveller would attract that much attention. And mostly when I was out in the car, I didn't. 
but towing in the caravan definitely set me apart. This despite by then knowing that many thousands of ladies across Australia travel in caravans and campers, some even car camp. But, you know, we were still a novelty. Maybe not so much post-COVID, as there are so many people now living on the road and loving it. If you've read my blog over at sundaystrays.com on the mythical misogynist, You'll have realised that female travellers can be an independent woman's greatest critic. I've been patronised to the nth degree for daring to get out there and go it alone. I've also met and made friends with some awesome female travellers. They are all over social media, which I'm not. But it's a great way to pick up tips about travelling safely, and that applies to men who travel on their own. I've bogged the car, had punctured tyres, not on the caravan, thankfully. Rolled out of campgrounds with the stuff I shoved in a laundry basket under the caravan, still lying on the ground. Had a rack installed on the front of the van for the mountain bike, then struggled to get the bike on the rack without help from someone much taller and straighter than me, often a random passing stranger. Left the mallet back in Queensland and found myself in Victoria, whacking a lever with a rolling pin. Had the fun experience after being flooded out in the northern rivers of having a man saunter up to me to tell me I was calling up the power lead incorrectly. Yeah, I politely told him to leave. My cable, my business. But one thing I do know about travelling, whether you do it alone or in the company of others, is that everything we do is someone else's business. Being a solo female traveller just increases the interest factor. One of the more amusing incidents was in a tiny outback town when I was setting up the caravan for a few nights. A neighbouring caravaner came over for a chat. His wife followed and with a confused expression, peered around and said, where's your husband? There were a hundred ways I could have responded. I just told her I was travelling on my own. They were nice people, and nice people often offer to help. I don't often turn down help if it saves me time and effort. And there was cold beer in my fridge I could share when happy hour rolled around. Getting back to safety, I was interested in what other solo travellers did to make themselves feel secure. As, let's be honest, nothing short of a fortress surrounded by barbed wire will stop a perpetrator who is motivated to cause harm. The best advice, I think, is if you roll into a campground and there's nobody else there, or only one other camper, then keep on driving. Don't drive or tow for a long distance and for more than a few hours, even if you have regular breaks. Yeah, I had to do that during COVID to make a border crossing. Not good. I couldn't unbend my back for days. So, if the vibe feels uncomfortable, keep on driving. Safety in numbers is usually the go. If a free campground looks dodgy, look for the showgrounds in a nearby town or a paid campsite. There are lots of private properties, not just with hip camps and Airbnb, but also parking for caravans and motor phones. These days, even wineries have parking on their properties. And this may sound corny, but grab a pair of men's shoes and knop shop and leave them outside overnight with your own shoes. 
I've never resorted to that, but others do it. My jumble of shoes used to travel in a plastic bucket when I was caravanning. It wasn't deliberate, but probably looked like there was more than one occupant of the van. The one thing I did do, and it was after I sold the caravan, was drop into an op shop and buy a plain ring. It travels in the car with me. If I feel the need to look less conspicuous, I shove the ring on my finger and talk to people in the plural. We, not me. I actually did that when I sold the caravan through a dealer on commission. The dealer I went with decided I was no longer his client. I was his sweetheart. And as you'd imagine, it made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Not your sweetheart, buddy. He did seem puzzled about my lack of warmth towards him in our business dealings. But after a visit to the office to sign some paperwork and drop off the spare keys, when his arm strayed around my waist, I called my son and said I didn't think I could maintain my composure for much longer, something that was necessary to complete the sale process. I lobbed it to my son. He made sure the sale went through smoothly because he's good like that. But in my experience and of other travellers I've talked to, you're more likely to have stuff stolen than to be physically assaulted. In one small outback town, I wandered up the local shops to buy some wilted vegetables. I came back an hour later to find my tap fitting had been nicked. Sadly, you get that. Lock up your gear. My first few house sits were during my caravanning years. And it's amazing how many homeowners say they have plenty of room to park a caravan. I got really good as a solo caravaner at backing the van into tight spaces and getting it out again. And although I didn't like to jackknife the car and caravan combo, did that on a few occasions to make things fit. And at what I called jiggling, where I barely had room to turn the caravan around, a lot of back and forth was involved in jiggling. In those early days of house sitting, I combined caravanning with staying in other people's houses. These days, and for the past 18 or so months, I've used other forms of accommodation to fill in the gaps between house sits. I used to dovetail my house sits back to back. More experienced sitters told me they took a break between bookings. That makes sense, particularly if the property has many animals or extensive gardens to look after, it can get crazy busy. So that's how I do it now. Short house sits are often back to back. Longer or more labour intensive house sits, I factor in some downtime. And that ensures I have lots of free time to explore the region I'm staying in. And I don't book house sits for people who dog, whose dogs can't be left alone during the day. Not because it destroys the furniture, but because it doesn't want to be left alone. It's a dog. And I can refer you to another house sitter who watches a lot of television. Back to that downtime. Recently I stayed for three nights at a lovely self-contained Airbnb so I could ride the Northern Rivers Rail Trail on my new e-bike. No pets or gardens to think about, just pedalling along in the sunshine. Then a hot shower in a bathroom I didn't have to clean and relax with a glass of wine. The first house sit I did was for a family member and involved the infamous jackknife manoeuvre into a dog leg gravel parking space. 
Then two weeks later, hooking up the car and easing the caravan into the street. The in and out involved blocking the street to other users, impatient drivers. The entire extraction of the caravan only took a few minutes. But you'd think the shoe shop was on fire and the frowning face behind the windscreen had a pair of jimmy shoes on lay-by. Calm down, folks. I got this. The next urban caravan parker was on a narrow concrete driveway that led up to a shonky aluminium carport that looked ready to collapse. It was a rental property and lots of things were broken inside the house. The poor tenant was a hard-working health provider who desperately needed a holiday. When I rolled up with a caravan, she had ducked out to the shops to buy a litre of milk for my stay. Bless her. Milk is always appreciated. In the ten minutes it took her, I had that puppy backed up to within centimetres of the carport and was trying to level it out. As the driveway was uphill, my mountain bike was well above my eye level on the rack at the front of the van. I got it off the rack for a long ride one hot day by lifting it and staggering down the driveway without breaking my neck or the bike. Getting it back on the rack that afternoon wasn't doable and there were painters next door. A quick lift and press and my overall clad saviour was back on the other side of the fence and back at his paid job. The next adventure with house city and caravan parking was in the Adelaide Hills. I was already in South Australia and had a week up my sleeve for a leisurely drive back up to Queensland. A lady homeowner had contacted me and asked if I could house sit two little old dogs, a cat and four chooks for a week. She was taking her daughter up to Cairns to celebrate her birthday. I loved the Adelaide Hills, but really wanted a break. I took the gig and was glad I did, as the pets were perfect hosts, and I had fun exploring over the next week. Sadly, one of the little old dogs has now gone over the Rainbow Bridge. Anyway, on arrival with a caravan in tow, it's not always obvious which way I should approach from. I look at Google Earth and sometimes that help. Not always. On this occasion, the street turned out to be narrow and the property I needed to drop the caravan into was on the peak of a hill and I had to do a lap of the block and approach from the other direction to reverse the van in. The driveway sloped down towards a carport. The homeowner had suggested I park the van in the gravel dog leg. Yeah, done that before. Easy getting in, tricky getting out. I decided to back the caravan in the driveway just enough so the car could be parked in front of it. Luckily, this time, there was no traffic, no cranky or impatient drivers to hurry me along. I had to level the caravan so it was as low as possible at the front and chock it, then pray it stayed there for a week. It was a delightful house sit and I had a fab day out at the nearby gardens. I was offered another booking by this lovely lady, but as seems to happen more often as things get rolling with house sitting, was already booked elsewhere. Most of my gigs these days come from return business. People I've gotten to know and pets and properties I'm now familiar with. On another note, you're probably wondering about prevention of caravan theft. I didn't do much really. 
About a year after I bought the caravan, I purchased a lock for the tow ball at the eye-watering cost of $40. Actually, it was double locked with an Allen key and a standard key. The night of the flood in the Mwilimbar showgrounds, I was using the fancy lock for the first time. It almost cost me everything in the pitch-dark, frantic, rain-soaked rush to hook up the car and get out of the showgrounds. I never used the lock again. My gas bottles were secured by a bike lock. So was the bike. I shut the door and windows when I went out for the day. If it was a paid campsite and the weather was fine, I left the ensuite window open. At the end of the day, the perps will get in if they want to. Friends who have caravaned for a long time told me a horror story about a woman driving her children through a caravan park in a rural town and shoving them through the toilet window of vans. Then it's easy enough to unlock the door from the inside and throw the stolen stuff into the car boot. And that, I guess, is why my valuables were stored in a safe under the kitchen sink, just to make it harder to get at and get into. I made lots of mistakes when I was caravanning and learned a lot from other travellers, but I had fun and loved my tiny house. It's just easier not to tow and I spend less money on fuel. And I don't have to think about whether there's somewhere to park the caravan during a house sit without hiring a crane and dropping it in vertically. And if you're wondering, towing a relatively small van bumped up my petrol budget by around 60%. There were a few times when I had to make a sudden detour off a highway to find a petrol station. If you're interested in such things, my caravan had a tear weight of 1770 and a payload including stored water of up to 800 kilograms. So it also puts a strain on the car engine. And I went through a set of all-terrain tyres in one year. I know what you're thinking, holy bank balance. So now it's just me, the car and the bike. If you enjoyed listening to my ramblings, please hit the follow button. It will help you find future episodes. My content is released weekly on Thursday afternoon in quick bites of roughly 20 to 25 minutes. Occasionally there may be bonus content on a specific topic, but you can listen to episodes in any order. Although these are my stories, I will sometimes talk to other house sitters and homeowners about their experiences. And a quick disclaimer on my intrinsically Aussie accent. Love it or hate it, I can't do much about it. Also be aware that although I use noise reduction software, the audio may be recorded anywhere on my travels. At the moment, my recordings are competing with a flock of laying chickens. However, I welcome feedback on other aspects of my podcast. So, if you're a fellow traveller, a virtual traveller, or merely curious about different lifestyles, again, thank you for listening. See you next Thursday. And happy trails wherever you may stray.